This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's Tuesday and that means it's time for our crack strategy panel. Tomorrow we get the long-awaited snapshot of our economy amid the COVID-19 pandemic. The Trudeau government is set to unveil a fiscal update, which will include a new official deficit estimate, a figure the parliamentary budget officer says could hit nearly $260 billion due to spending on emergency aid and the historic drop in economic output. Now, the Conservatives, as you heard in Jeremy's news, are looking for a back-to-work bonus as part of a plan to start weaning Canadians off the CERB. They also want more money for the Auditor General. They say that office has been deliberately deprived of at least $11 million so they can't properly have a good look at this emergency spending. And what of the WE controversy? The Ethics Commissioner will be investigating Prime Minister Trudeau for the third time. This after the WE charity, which has close ties to Trudeau, got a sole source contract worth nearly a billion dollars to provide, quote, paid volunteer positions to students. Now, they backed off last Friday Justin Trudeau said the whole thing was unfortunate, but does this have legs? Will it stick to the prime minister? There are a lot of questions that have been unanswered, not not to mention that when the WE Charity was going to do this, and apparently uh, Trudeau said they were the only ones capable of it, they had this kind of uh, multi-level marketing thing happening where they were giving bonuses to teachers and other charities for recruiting students. Anyway, uh, the numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Now let's go to John Capobianco, Senior Vice President and Senior Partner, Fleischmann-Hillard High Road, Karen Stintz, CEO of Variety Village, and Charles Bird, Managing Principal of Ernst Cliff Strategy Group in Toronto. Hi, everyone. Hi, Libby. How are you? Uh, Hi, Libby. Okay, so uh, let's start with the fiscal update. John, uh, are are we going to get the information we need? I hope so. I I think this is yet another example of how the opposition would have been quite effective in trying to push and prod the prime minister and and his government into into allowing a bit more transparency um, uh, into our finances at the federal level. You know, I think Canadians deserve, uh, we all deserve the right to be able to know exactly what's happening, what the, what, what the cost is, how the programs are being effective or not. Um, but it, I think it'll give us a, sort of a, a snapshot or a lens uh, as to, you know, what, what damage um, are we looking at or what, what co- sort of, you know, huge hill that we have to climb over the next number of months and years, uh, just given, given the pandemic. But, but also, I think, too, what, what, it, what it'll do is give us an indication that if, God forbid... There is a resurgence uh, that's, that, that everyone talks about potentially happening in the fall. Um, you know, how we're going to be able to, to manage that, what 
programs worked, what programs didn't work uh, over the course of the last number of months. So I think it's well needed. I think a lot of people are going to be watching it to sort of see what we're at. And, and hopefully the government will be as transparent and will be as, as fulsome in their reporting um, than they were in the previous times. Karen, uh they had to go kicking and screaming to give us this update. They said it was impossible. And, uh, you know, uh, Parliament is not meeting in the regular way, even though the economy is is opening up. Uh, so what do you think about the level of transparency? Are, are you hopeful about it? And, and again, is any of this going to stick to the government? I don't. Uh, so I don't think the level of transparency is where we need it to be. Um, in fairness, I think that it, there is, um, you know, there were announcements made about giving money away, absent a program to actually give money away, and so then the the bureaucracy was then tasked with, okay, how do we figure it out? We actually do this, and so in that context, you just don't get the transparency that you would otherwise get um, in a in a more structured typical environment whereby, you know, you look at your need, you figure out the program, then you announce the program. Um, here, we just announced the program. So it's not surprising that we're running into these challenges. And, and I think, to be honest, I think the Canadian public will give a pass to a certain degree to the government for reacting quickly and figuring out how to keep people um, from having severe economic hardship. Moving forward, as John was saying, I think that there's going to be um, a harder scrutiny on the government. And and I and I and I think that the we controversy will is 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 a wake up call for the government to to appreciate that the level of flexibility that Canadians were willing to give the federal government is coming to an end, and I think they need to be mindful of that. Charles, how serious is the we controversy? Well, I want to talk a little bit about the fiscal update, just in terms of uh, a couple of key points. The first is that at one, the update is scheduled for one thirty tomorrow afternoon Eastern time, which is happening while markets are open. So that suggests that uh, there won't be anything in that update that could, uh, hopefully not anyway, have a negative impact on markets. Or a positive the bigger, one. The bigger problem facing the government is that it can't allow this to become a crystal ball exercise. I mean, one of the difficulties, and not just for Canada and the provinces, but for governments around the world, is that no one has a handle on this virus and no one knows what the overall economic impact will be four months, six months, 12 months, 24 months out. And so at best, the government can really just provide a snapshot as to exactly where things sit now. And I think they'd be ill-advised to start getting into conjecture as to where things are going to be six months from now, because simply put, no one knows. Do you want to weigh into the we thing, Charles? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a tricky one to be sure. I mean, the government has made a point of working cooperatively with charities and this is and not-for-profit organizations and this is something Karen knows far more than I do it feels like in the rush to get money out the door dating back to March to address you know some obvious shortfalls in the economy um, that this was a well-intentioned although potentially ill-conceived scheme um, the fact that it's been you know, that there'll be an ad. like a conservative MP wrote in and said, hey, have an investigation and got granted his wish. And uh, so I'm not terribly concerned about that. But it, it does feel that in 
just given the sheer amount of spending, I think the government was very, very wise to uh, say, hey, we've got a potential problem on our hands. We need to uh, back away from this in a hurry. Uh, Wait a minute. I mean, John, isn't there more to it than that? This is a huge contract. It was a sole source. It turns out that there were other sole source contracts to the WE charity, uh, which the Trudeaus are connected to it. He said nobody else could do this, but they were planning to execute this by literally, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't call them kickbacks, but commissions to teachers, to other charities to recruit people to take this money. They were going to have 450 of their own positions, which means that uh, they would be both giving out the money and taking some of it. I mean, John, does this never smelt right, I think. No, it didn't smell right from the beginning. And, and I give my good friend Charles a huge credit for trying to downplay the, uh, the controversy <laughs> as he has. Um, but as you mentioned, he kind of missed some of the facts that, that are causing sort of the, the consternation uh, with, with this issue, um, not, not only with the prime minister and with his, with his government, but with opposition and, and a lot of Canadians who are kind of left felt thinking, what, what, what was he thinking? And, 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 you know, look, at, at the end of the day, I've given the prime minister credit for a lot of the programs that he's enacted over the course of the last number of months a lot of which were, were geared towards making sure that, that Canadians who lost jobs were, were able to get some, some funding and businesses that were closing were able to kind of keep their doors open for as long as they could. And, and also, as Charles alluded to, he did do a, a quite a bit in, in giving some funding to charities, and I'm sure Karen will, will, allude, will, will expand upon that a bit in a, in a second. But, um, but this was just, I don't know what he was thinking, and, and for, for, for him to be able to do it, uh, and then sort of claim that, well, they're the only ones that, that really can do this, and then have a number of charities step up and, and say quite quite courageously in the, in the media, say, well, look at it, we could have done this, or, or we, you know, we could have easily have, have handled this, or, or, you know, there are other charities that would have been able to do the kind of stuff, I think is what leaves the, the sort of the bad taste, not least of which the fact that it was sole-sourced, and, and having that kind of money. Uh, is 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 um, is just something that needs to be investigated, and there's a reason why the ethics commissioner is looking at this. They don't take on cases frivolously; they take on cases that they think uh, uh, cause or or of, of, of some concern to uh, to to the ethics of, of what's been happening. And and I think that you know it, there's a lot that's going to be a lot of questions that are going to be answered uh, through this uh, this ethics commission inquiry. But I think the other thing, too, Libby, to look at is this is yet again another incident of where this prime minister and this government has to be, you know, um, looked at by, by the Ethics Commission. And I think that, you know, we didn't we didn't saw a lot of those happen in the previous um, uh, regime or the previous government that he was in in the majority and, and he got reelected. So I don't know how much of it will stick. But at some point, Canadians are going to say, well, what's going on and what's happening? And again, it gives more power to the opposition who have always said there's got to be oversight. And if it wasn't for the opposition kicking kicking this to, to the public and, and making sure that there was some level of of repercussions, this probably would have been and it would have died in page eight of the, of the newspapers. But it was the opposition, all of them, that caused this to be a concern and headline and, and made them kind of now return 
the money or at least you know refuse to to go for uh, for this particular program which i think is in the best interest of all canadians well yeah just as as an aside uh when i was talking to the opposition to pierre polyevre about this he the one thing he was musing about before they backed off he said well you know this has had more media interest than uh, a lot of other things so uh it it's definitely interesting and and karen as as the CEO of a charity that is struggling now along with most of them, what, I mean, what do you think when you see something like that? Yeah, it's hard. Uh, it's hard on a number of levels for a charity, there's no question. Um, it, you know, and, and again, just to take us back a couple months. So, you know, the government did give, um, and Charles is going to keep me honest here, but the government did give $50 million or, or some amount to um, Second Harvest to distribute to, um, for food security during the pandemic. And then Second Harvest was charged with finding charities that could deliver um, food on the ground. And so the model, the model existed and the, it was sole sourced and it, there was not a lot of controversy at the time for that. And I, and I think it was because there was a broad consensus that Second Harvest did that. That's what they do. They know how to do that. It wasn't a 900 you know, yeah, I mean, million dollar a, program. There's an order of magnitude it, it difference was, so, there. I agree, and I and I think the challenge that the Liberals are going to find themselves in on this program is, number one, it wasn't a volunteer program because you don't pay volunteers. Exactly. Number two, the order of magnitude was beyond um, even what some of, you know, the rent subsidies were. <laughs> so you're like, okay, what is, what is this really, what are we trying to do here? And three, we saw, the other part that's just not c- compelling from a, they're the only ones who could do this, was that we saw the federal government do incredible things in a short period of time with CERB and with wage subsidy and with all kinds of programs that went out the door. And you're, you're telling me that you guys really can't run a volunteer program? And so it, there's, to your point, Libby, there's a lot of things that just don't make sense on the sniff test of it. And, you know, we're struggling as a charity. There's lots of charities that are struggling for survival. And it, it, it you know, and, and I think it is also fair to say that the government didn't step back from this. The charity stepped back from it, saying well, this is actually a blowback on us that we can't afford. Who who um, who knows exactly what happened there? Yeah. Is what I right. say. Yeah. Um, who knows? But uh, hopefully we'll find out. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I just this whole thing. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and but uh, you know, the question is: Is it going to stick to the prime minister? In the context of this, and uh, Charles, let me let me guess. You think probably not. Um, you know, one of the one of the things I keep asking myself, Libby, you yourself said, you know, the prime minister is connected to this organization. How exactly is he connected to this organization? I, I know he's been a fan. He's appeared at a number of their rallies over the years. I think his wife co-hosts a podcast with the wife of. Uh, one of the founders um, for which he receives no remuneration. So exactly how is he connected? I think I think the government got ahead of its skis on this one. They saw an urgent need to fit, to find tens of thousands of summer jobs for young Canadians. And we're not just talking about like pocket money so that they can go to the mall. We're talking about money that is essential to their education and to a lot and even their families' needs. So I think the intention was good a good one. It you, I, I think the government has quickly learned that you cannot spend this kind of money without a lot more due diligence and process and that's why they backed away from the decision. 
Yeah, it was interesting. Again, when I was talking to Mr. Polyever, he was saying, well, um, if if we just found out about this, uh, what else is kind of hidden in all this emergency right. spending? Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. now saying uh, the the auditor general, there's a new auditor general, but but apparently she doesn't have enough money to do the job. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, and I think, Libby, to the, to the, to the point Charles was making regarding, you know, they didn't, they got ahead of their skis. Quite frankly, I think they forgot their skis yeah. on this yeah. issue and, and, um, and we're trying to go down the hill without them. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, to, to your question regarding will this stick or not, you know, there's, there seems to be, and, and the prime minister certainly is enjoying a huge amount of popularity, uh, as witnessed by some of the polls. That are, that are there, and, and also not only from a personal popularity, but his party uh, is also enjoying um, a bit of a, a bounce uh, in, in popularity over the opposition, uh, largely due to the, the fact that he's had his daily conferences and he's been spending money, uh, uh, you know, and, and giving money away. To, and sort of when that happens, and then people seem to feel that despite a crisis, that the prime minister is looking after them and has given them money to kind of sustain them. You know, there's no question that his popularity is going to increase. But, you know, I think at some point that that there's going to be some new normal or reality is going to hit. And we'll see tomorrow how transparent and how much numbers they, they are to be able to give us. Um, but I think that this kind of thing, uh, and also the power grab that we saw earlier on yeah. in the pandemic that was that they had to backtrack on, if there's enough of that kind of thing that that's happened that leaves bad taste in, in the mouths of Canadians and voters, then I think it may, it may very well stick when this is over and the hardcore reality, the hard cold reality of having to kind of now come back and sort of fix the economy is going to hit. And that's where I think that, that Canadians could very well turn on this prime minister. Uh, and also the, the fact that the Conservatives are going to have a new leader uh, as of August 21st, and that new leader, be it, you know, Peter McKay or Aaron O'Toole or, quite frankly, any other the other uh, two candidates that could potentially win, are going to have to really make a case to Canadians about, you know, what this the prime minister did right, quite frankly, and what the prime minister did wrong, and will that stick? It, it, it could. Well, speaking of that, uh, you know, where are those potential leaders of the Conservative Party? I mean, the the people out front on this, Andrew Shear, who's uh, uh, he's uh, the uh, he's outgoing, uh, to, to put it politely, and Pierre Polyevra and uh, O'Toole and McKay and, and even Leslie Lewis, they're nowhere on this. Yeah, and I think that that's the challenge, and I think a lot of conservatives, and, and certainly I, I speak to quite a few of them, and and, and by email, you know, there's, there's a sense of disappointment uh, in and sort of a lackluster uh, campaign, and and we've talked on a number of of our of this program, Libby, as far as the the the, the turmoil between the two campaigns, O'Toole and McKay, regarding the the alleged stolen data. Uh, that's happened, and that sort of got more press uh, and more airtime than than any of their policy decisions that they've made. Um, I think that you know having a leadership contest in the middle of a COVID crisis uh, is has been a challenge no matter what. Uh, and and if they're not talking about COVID or how to resolve it, if they're talking about other issues, it's just not going to get airplay um, as we've seen. So there is a challenge that whoever the new leader is, and and, and when that person comes in, are they going to be able to pivot from? from, you know, the, the leadership campaign stuff into dealing with the issues of the day. And that'll be a test for, for any leader. Uh, Charles, is that why the, the Liberals are probably going to get a pass because of what's going on in the Conservative camp? 
Well, I'm glad you raised what's happening in the Conservative mm. leadership, and uh, because I've got I've got a few gems to bring forward. The first is um, John's not the only one who talks to Conservatives. I actually do as well, and uh, they tell me that Leslin Lewis is doing extremely well. Obviously, the the fund fundraising numbers have been recent fundraising numbers in the conservative leadership have been made public and they show her with far more individual donors than both Mr. McKay and Mr. O'Toole. Um, there's even a suggestion that she may be uh, closing in on second place, which is, uh, which, which will, which will come as a bombshell if, uh, if that turns out to be, to be the case. The other thing that I, that I found remarkable is a tweet from Aaron O'Toole that came out yesterday saying that Canada must stand up against the defacing of our history and our monuments. And like that's what? Aaron O'Toole saying that. And if that sounds familiar, um, I think that's quite deliberate. And I'm not sure if that speaks to the desperation of the O'Toole campaign or whether they think that there's enough pro-Trump sentiment in the Conservative Party of Canada to actually give that kind of line of attack some currency, but it, it strikes me as being absolutely remarkable that he would come out and say that. All righty, let's take a call from Jerry in Burlington. Hi, Jerry. Well, hello. Uh, yeah, I have uh, a couple of concerns uh, about this, uh, the the we situation, uh, and mostly uh, Prime Minister Trudeau and his family uh, involved in this whole thing. Uh, interestingly, before 2015, and we know what happened in 2015, uh, uh, Trudeau became the prime minister. Before that, we organization got just a few hundreds of thousands of dollars, but since then, apparently, they got uh, some millions in addition to these nine, uh, nine billion that they almost got. But what I am nine, also... 900 million. Sorry. But what I am also concerned, I heard that actually the, the purpose of this uh, program is to provide the students and postgraduates with money during summertime. However, if I understand correctly, the money is not to be paid until the fall until the students prove that they have worked, I believe, 500 hours. So it's not going to help them now. And I think maybe the panel can kind of uh, comment on that. Well, the, 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 who knows that this program is suspended as far as I know. I know, but that, that's what it, I mean. It suspends it, but it was there. And it is, uh, it, it is um, unbelievable what uh, Mr. Trudeau thinks that he can get away with. But when the program was on, before it was cancelled, that was the promise, premise. Okay. And Jerry. as I said, your panel may know about this and they may comment on it. Okay, Jerry, thanks. Thanks very much. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know if we have to go there because we're starting to run out of time. Uh, so we have this, uh, what are the things that we have to be looking for in the coming weeks, starting with Karen? Yeah, in the coming weeks, I think uh, we need to be, number one, mindful of uh, what are what is the economic stimulus that we need to bring into the country to move forward, because we know that consumer confidence is at an all-time low. Business confidence is at an all-time low. Um, there's uh, the, the the rescue packages have been extremely expensive for the nation, and so how how are we going to move out of out of this? And then also, what is our strategy moving into the fall? Because 
um, if there is a resurgence, which everyone is expecting, we cannot do the same thing again. We need a different, more targeted, more strategic response because shutting down the country again cannot happen. You know what? It's interesting, Karen, that I, I saw a survey about when businesses think that they will be getting back to normal, and it said most people at least six months, others mm-hmm. a year, and I thought, you know what? That might be optimistic. I think it's optimistic. There's no question. For our charity, our our revenues are declined by at least 30%, and we're not expecting that to come back anytime soon. John? I I think two things, uh, Libya, that that are in the coming weeks. I think one is sort of what the government does, provincial government does with respect to phase three. A lot of talk of of phase three um, coming in in the next week or so. Uh, I think the the premier continues to do a phenomenal job and a competent job of, of monitoring What's been happening and the fact that our numbers are still low and our testing is, is, is increasing is, is a really positive sign. So how phase three comes in and how that will be playing out is one. And then the second one, of course, is we're hearing all this stuff about these sports, professional sports teams coming back into play and, and some of them having their opening games in the next two weeks or so and, and how that's going to evolve. And I just I shake my head as other sports fans do with respect to that because there's, you know, there's still positive cases coming out of practices let alone uh, a game, a professional game starting. So how that's going to roll, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. And Charles? I just want sports back. Please, please, please. <laughs> um, so as I understand it, and there was legislation introduced in the Ontario legislature today, um, the Premier is looking to suspend the state of emergency on July 15th, although the legislation introduced today will um, allow for emergency orders to continue for a period of a year, which is interesting because it, it speaks to the government's longer-term thinking with regards to how long the virus will be around. And with all due respect to Karen, it's really up to the virus when we all get to go back to work or if we have to stay home again or whether our kids get to go back to school. Because all you have to do is look south of the border. I mean, they're, they're going to be at 100,000 new cases a day in the United States in the coming weeks. They're already pushing 60,000 new cases a day. 200,000 new cases between Monday and Friday of last week. And in Canada, we're hovering about 300 new cases a day. Full credit to our Prime Minister, our Premiers, our Mayors, all of our uh, political leaders for having worked together to combat the virus and to to get it to this state where we are so markedly different from where things sit in the United States. I mean, how Canada has done it is emerging as a big news story in the United States. Uh, right. And kudos to them the for keeping that border closed. On that note, have to wrap things up. Thank you so much, Charles Bird, John Capobianco, and Karen Stinson. We'll talk again Well, actually, I'll be on holiday next Wednesday, but we will talk next week, if not sooner. Thank you so much. Thanks, Libby. Libby. Bye-bye. Thanks, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.